Hello, and welcome to Humans of Agape, a new podcast by Agape Europe. We are a community of people who make Jesus known so lives are changed and Europe is transformed. We want to bring spiritual hope and help to people from all walks of life. I am your host, my name is Jochen Geck. I work in the student movement in Montpellier in the south of France, and I'm curious to hear about what God is doing across Europe. So this is what this podcast is all about. I interview people who are in staff with Agape and ask them about what God is doing in their lives and ministries. In today's episode, I get to talk with Laurie Soliday from Berlin, Germany. Hello, Laurie. Hello, Jochen. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, it's a good that's, day in Berlin. That's good to hear. What's uh, the weather like in Berlin? Right now, the sun is shining, but it's a little chilly. So it's like, um, I don't even think we're to 10 grad right now. So not quite what I would hope for April. <laughs> Well, you know what they say about the weather in April. What do they say? There's a German saying that says, Der April, der April, der macht, was er will. So, yeah. in short, that would be uh, that the weather in April isn't very trustworthy because April just does what it wants. Right, yeah. yeah. That's what's happening this April. <laughs> yeah. Laurie, tell me, what is it that you do with Agape? Well, um, I have several different roles. I live in Berlin and do a little bit of ministry in Berlin, but I'm also the national SLM director for Germany. I co-lead that with a German right now, Max Richter, um, and soon Dominic Schweiger. And I'm also part of the student-led movements team for Western Europe. So I've been doing that for about a year now. And part of that also involves global work that I do global student-led movements. So yes, so I wear a lot of different hats. You do. Mm -hmm. Just to break that down, you mentioned SLM and then you said global student-led ministry. That's all the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, student-led movements. Uh, yes, student -led that's movement. SLM for short. Yeah. Okay. Wearing so many hats, does it become difficult to juggle all that at times? It has been. Yes, but luckily I have a good coach who's been helping me through figuring out how do I do that in a healthy manner, because I don't want to burn myself out. I want to be in ministry for the long haul. And so that means for me, knowing where my boundaries are and being able to say yes with confidence to be able to do things that God has for me. Hmm. And with so many different roles, what would a week in your life look like? <laughs> Good question. That varies from week to week. For example, this week, I'm mainly in Berlin. Um, that means I've been, I coach a couple of staff women here who are leaders on the team, how they can do movements better. But I also will have lots of Skype calls. So yesterday, I Skyped with a student who's in Detmold, Germany, who I coach to build a movement on her campus. And today I'm going to be Skyping with my co-leader about what's happening in Germany. Monday I had a Skype with our team for Western Europe. So I can easily have 10, 12 Skype calls a week. So that would be a week if I'm just in Berlin. But a lot of times I'm traveling. Like last week I was in Spain. In two weeks I go to Portugal. So a lot of times I have to travel from place to place too. So what is a normal week? It, Skype calls or traveling. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe half of the normal weeks include planes too? 
Yes, I would say, unfortunately, yes. At least, it seems like at least once a month, I have to travel somewhere by plane. And I say unfortunately, because I really hate flying. I think I'm the most unlikely person to have the type of job that I do where I have to travel so much because I'm afraid of flying. Like, you know, it's not to the point that I'm like, like totally like crying and freaking out, but I am definitely, if we hit any type of turbulence, I am grabbing the seat and yeah, making sure I'm continuing to breathe. (laughs) Oh, wow. So, yeah. (laughs) So in that case, probably the flying is your part of uh, taking up your cross and uh, your part of discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, like I said, I think, you know, it's, It's, I think it's the Lord who's arranged all this. Obviously, you know, it's not that he wants me to be afraid of flying, but it's, it's something that I pray that he would take away from me. At the same time, I've told him that I'll never say no to doing something, even just because I'm afraid to fly. For example, in December, I did a training for staff, how to, you know, reach more students on more campuses in Hong Kong. And then right after that, had to go to Jakarta for a conference for staff who do this, um, what we call catalytic ministry, which is how to reach more students on more campuses. And when I saw that conference was in Jakarta, I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Because that's mm-hmm. like 17 hour plane flight from oh, wow. Jakarta to Amsterdam. And so I'm not going to say no to it because I'm afraid to fly, but it is a step of faith every time to get on the plane, just knowing that God is good and he's with me no matter what happens and he'll take care of me. And it has been, you know, even though it's not my preferred thing, I have seen the Lord use it. Just there are lots of people who say, especially once you've seen me in planes and see what it's really like Mm -hmm. for me, they're encouraged that I believe God is so worthy that I'll go through that, even though it's not comfortable at all um, to do these things. But because I feel like God is worth going through that, I've seen other people be encouraged by that. Yeah, I am encouraged by that too. I think you're really brave. And I think it's really cool how I can see through that, that you really proclaim with your life that God is greater than your fears. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yep. I try to remind myself that when I when I get on the plane. <laughs> Well, you are an example. Oh, thanks. Wow, we've gotten into the deep end really quickly. I like that. But you mentioned a couple of things that I want to clarify for our listeners. Yes. You talked about all these conferences and about catalytic ministry. And um, you said that it basically means reaching more students on more campuses. Can you break that down a little for us? And what does that word catalytic actually mean? Yes. Well, Catalytic comes from the, uh, you know, science, which that was what I studied. So when I heard the word, it made perfect sense to me. Hmm. But for a lot of people, it doesn't. In science, it's a chemical that is parts that that helps start a chemical reaction. So it's an agent that starts a chemical reaction that couldn't get going on its own otherwise. But then it never becomes part of that reaction. And you can use it again afterwards. Hmm. And so that's what a catalyst is. And that's what we as staff see ourselves as, is we want to go to campuses and find students who want to see student-led movements on their campus. In other words, they want to see evangelism and discipleship. They want to make Jesus known on their campus. 
but they wouldn't know how. And so we come in, give them the tools and resources to do that, but we never actually become part of that movement. We coach them and resource them, but they're the ones who are doing the evangelism and discipleship. And that allows us to go to other places, find those students, and continue to be able to coach more students rather than us just doing all the work ourselves. So that's the vision of what we call catalytic ministry is how do we reach every student on every campus? It's not going to happen by staff doing it. We want to empower students and volunteers to do that because we really believe that if students are learning this on the university today, then when they graduate and go into the workforce, they'll be able to continue to do evangelism, the discipleship. And that's what our heart is. We want to see the Great Commission fulfilled. We want to see every person on the planet actually have a chance to hear about Jesus. And my part of that is helping students know how to do that right now. Yeah. As a former student and now part of the campus staff, I know for many students that is something that's equally maybe uncomfortable and terrifying, yes. but also incredibly liberating mm -hmm. and something that ma just makes a lot of sense. We as staff can't be everywhere and we're not even called to be everywhere, whereas students are everywhere. Yes. So could you tell us a couple of examples maybe, or just start with one of what you've seen happening in that, in the maybe in the last couple of weeks? Well, one of the things just in the last couple, a couple of things that have been encouraging. So we had a Western Europe student conference in Toulouse, France, um, mm. a couple weeks ago. And some of our students from Freiburg, Germany were there. And I was helping organize the conference. So I had no idea if they were having a good time or not, honestly. <laughs> But then two weekends ago, I went down to Freiburg to do planning with them. So I live in Berlin. Freiburg is eight hours by train away. And so I don't go down there very often, but I coach them every week. But to do a semester planning, I decided to go and spend a day with them. And they were telling the other leaders what they learned from the conference. And one of the things that Zamuel said, he was talking about how he learned in Nehemiah that in Nehemiah, the people were building the wall right next to their houses where they were at. And he said, that's what we want to see in Freiburg. We want to see students on their individual universities or areas of study build their wall. In other words, that they would have teams of other people who want to see evangelism, discipleship. They'd get together and pray for their fellow students, be able to um, share updates of how they're doing, having conversations with those people and loving those people, get ideas how they continue to make Jesus known there. So that to have each each part of campus be able to have these prayer groups who are actually having a vision for reaching out to their fellow students. So that was so encouraging for me to hear because that's right now they've just kind of been focusing on a large group meeting, but now they're getting this vision. Okay, we want to see more students where we're not reaching have a chance to hear the gospel. So let's start with these prayer groups on each of these individual campuses or areas of studies, faculties. Um, and so that was, that made my heart very happy to see what, that they're making a plan to do that. And then just yesterday when I was talking to Ulrike and Detmold, she was on one of our projects from Germany um, that goes to a country in the Middle East. And she was talking about what God had taught her there and how since coming back, She was able to tell several of her friends who aren't Christians about this experience and has had lots of gospel opportunities. And so then we were talking about, okay, how do you help somebody 
talk about Jesus when they don't believe that there's truth. And we were talking, okay, what questions could you ask? Um, what could be next steps? So yeah, it's been fun to see what God's been doing just in the last month, even though in Germany it's the semester break, but God's still at work. Hmm. Amen. God's not on break. No, he's not. <laughs> and isn't that or one of the most encouraging things as a staff to see how students start to get that vision and how they start owning it? Yes. And how that actually has practical implications in their everyday life and how they get passionate about it and share it with their friends. Exactly. Yeah. And these people, again, there are no staff anywhere around where either of them live. And so they know that they want to own their campus. And not only that, both Samuel and Erika, they're getting close to the end of their, their studies. And regardless of what both of them do, I know for sure that after they graduate, they're gonna continue to be able to do the same things of having conversations about Jesus, helping people grow, no matter what they choose to do. Just like One of my friends, Valentina, she was a student down in Munich that I coached and um, was a student leader down there for several years. And now she actually lives in Berlin. And so I actually get to see her now more that I'm not coaching her. We meet up from time to time. And it's just fun to hear her stories about how in her workplace she is able to continually have her eyes open to opportunities to share little bits and pieces of her story or what God is doing in her life. So I've been able to see not just students have ministries, but actually how are students becoming lifetime laborers? In other words, how do students walk with the Lord for a lifetime and make an impact for his kingdom even after they graduate? Yes, I like that. Mm -hmm. And that actually brings me to something I wanted to ask you about, because I think that maybe most of our listeners aren't students anymore, just work regular jobs. And I wanted to ask you for advice how some of what you shared could be applicable to them. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it's really this, the people who've graduated from university is the reason why I came on staff even, because really this vision of I could be one person in the workplace living out my, my faith, but what if I invested in other people while they're in university so that they can be in the different, different fields? I could see my life multiplied that way. And so, yeah, Basically, for people who are in the workplace, I would say one thing is just walk with the Lord yourself, you know, make sure that you're spending time with the Lord in his word and prayer. Because I feel like for me, that's when I'm connected with the Lord, I naturally am talking about what he's doing in my life, hmm. because I'm excited about it. So the first thing I would just encourage people is make sure you're growing yourself. And then just be aware of the opportunities God gives you, um, you know, share with people small stories of what God is doing in your life. You know, something like, Hey, I was reading in the Bible today about what God says about worry. And that really helped me because I've been anxious about something or, you know, say, ask somebody, Hey, can I pray for you? And just say a short prayer for them so that you can help people see God working so I would say, don't wait till somebody asks you, but be proactive, just telling little stories about what God is doing in your life to help people become more interested about that. And also I'd say, be aware, like if there are other Christians around you who you work with, why don't you get together and pray for your workplace, you know, or for different things in your city, but be connected with other believers and not just for fellowship, but really 
together thinking, how can we be, you know, reaching the people around us? How can we hold each other accountable even to having spiritual conversations? Because you can't do it by yourself. You need community. So I would say it starts with yourself and growth. Make sure that, you know, you're talking with people around you, but don't do it alone. Like, make sure that you have community, um, find other people to do it. But yeah, that's, we want people to see themselves as missionaries, whether they're, you know, being paid to do it like me, or whether they're, you know, just like my friend Valentina, who works in a pharmacy, that she sees herself as a missionary there, um, even as she's being a pharmacist. That's an encouraging example. And just to clarify one thing, because mm -hmm. we've been talking about student-led movements and people continuing uh, once they leave university. Do you have a tip of how to be part of a movement and not just being on your own once once you join the workforce? And Well, that's something that we... Th that's honestly an area we need to grow in as Agape is helping connect people who are after they graduate. So that's something for everybody to know is something we want to see work on more, um, whether it's in a city or someplace else. But I would say right now, you know, get involved with a church who you can, and not just going on Sundays, but try to get involved in a small group, um, people who can know you better. You'll probably need to be proactive in saying, Hey, can we get together and pray for lost people? Um, Or a lot of cities have houses of prayer, like the 24-hour prayer houses. Maybe look for people there. But you're, you're probably going to need to be a little proactive to find like-hearted people who want to do this with you. But they're, they're out there. A lot of, I found in my church, um, I've actually done some of the training for people in my small group that we use for Agape hmm. in evangelism. Because a lot of people, they really do want to reach their, the people in their work place, but they don't know how. And so, you know, a, again, a great first step is just praying together for these people, but then maybe even asking each other, okay, what type of spiritual conversations have you had this week? Because I know in my life, a lot of times if people don't ask me about things that I, that aren't comfortable, um, <laughs> then I don't do them. And talking about Jesus isn't comfortable, but I want to do it because, again, just like flying, God is worthy. And so I want to talk about him to other people. Yeah. And I mean, in, in, in that regard, it's not that different from the experience on campus. Right. Where you also try to find other believers, join forces with them, and uh, just start praying and acting. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. That's one of the things that we teach our staff is to be thinking about as they're helping students build movements, how... We want pretty much everything that they do on campus to be transferable after they leave university. And if it's not transferable, we need to be thinking about, do we really need to do it? Or mm -hmm. is there something else that we could be doing that would be more transferable? So that, even around the world, is a major theme that comes up because we can sometimes fall back into just thinking about building a great movement on campus, but there are things that we do that would not apply to life after campus. And we really need to get back to our vision of reaching the campus today, reaching the world tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Because all of the students are going to be working somewhere, someplace after their studies. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And we want them to be able to enter the workforce really knowing that 
I can do the same things I did on campus. And that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. We talk about that university is a training ground, um, because you're, you know, you're, you're in a unique situation with people who are very much uh, in the same phase of life. And so it's a, a easier training ground than after university where you're going to be working with older people, younger people, families, not families, and you know, living more spread out than a lot of times you are at university. Um, and so, you know, university is an easy place to, to be trained. So then when you go into the little bit harder place, you can continue to live it out. Yeah, even though a friend just told me the other day that he finds it easier to talk about Jesus at work than he did at uh, university because he feels less of a um, social pressure to conform. Ah, okay. There. So maybe yeah. that could be an encouragement for people. That's that's great. Praise God. That's really cool. Yeah. Laurie, let's change uh, the topic of our conversation a little bit and let's talk a little more about you. Okay. You call Berlin your home. I do. You're an American in Germany, but you've lived in other places in Europe too. And I want, would like to know, and that's a question I like to ask, because I b really believe that we can see uh, God's fingerprints in all different cultures. Where do you see God's fingerprints in German culture? Okay. And especially as a German, I'd like to know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well... You know, the easy answer is to say, you know, um, Germans can be so structured and precise. Like, I think, you know, you can see God's, you know, I think God is not a God who's totally chaotic. Um, I think he's a God who has order. And I think that's something that the Germans reflect. That's the easy answer. But one of the, one of the things that I appreciate about Germans is their concern for nature. A couple of things that have stuck out to me since moving to Germany is that Germans love to have the afternoon walk or like on a holiday, mm -hmm. like part of the holiday is going outside and going for a walk. Or if you look as you're riding through onto the train, there are often benches along paths. And so that that's one of the things that struck me is seeing Germans love for nature and the environment has made me see God's love for that. I think a lot of times I can just take you know, think, oh, there's going to be a new heaven and the new earth and God's going to write all that. But to see, you know, no, God wants us to be caring for his creation as well now. And to see the, the Germans live that out has been something that has made me appreciate God's character more in that as well. Hmm. Interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that. Mm -hmm. But that's definitely something I can see in my culture. Yeah. Laurie, is there something that you are learning right now, maybe professionally, maybe personally, that you would like to share with us? Sure. I think one of the things that God always brings me back to um, is a love for his word. I've been studying the Sermon on the Mount since the beginning of the year. And so that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I'm not even through the end of chapter 5 yet, and it's mm. April. Um, okay. So it's, it's taking a while. But one of the things I could talk specifically about the different passages that God's been using in my life. But one of the things just I have enjoyed about it is I read a different a section. For example, I just finished up, up the section where it's talking about don't make an oath. Um, instead, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And when when I read it through the first time, I'm thinking, what can I ever get out of this? Because this is just weird. Like, hmm. it's not that 
we take oaths and vows and stuff these days. But then when I get, when I've worked my way through the passage, it's like, oh, wow, this is what it means to me. And, and then the Lord used a certain situation in my life to see how that could play out. My application was trusting others that other Christians, when they say yes, or when they say no, they mean it and not doubting that, but also myself living integrity, living a life of integrity. And the Lord just brought a situation up that, that I could see that play out. And, and it happened also, there was a, the section on divorce. I'm like, well, I'm not married, you know, great. Don't get divorced. But in that section, seeing God's faithfulness and that, that he is always faithful to us, even when we don't deserve it. And so what I've just been seeing again and again is how God's word is living and active and how he speaks to me. Even when I read through it, I'm like, this is confusing. He always brings something that I can apply to my life and live out and share about with other people. So I'm just thankful for that, the way that, that God uses his word and that it's always useful in my life. Um, even though it was you know, written so long ago, it very much applies to my situations today. The living word of God. Yes. Still alive today. Laurie, as we're getting to the end of this, I have one last question to ask you. Okay. More of a request, actually. Yep. This is a time in this podcast where you get to share something with our audience, something you want them to remember or take away, maybe to encourage them with. Mm -hmm. Do you have something? Yeah, I think I would just go back to the one of the things I talked about earlier is that the, the most important thing thing for us to do. And this is something I always come back in my leadership. The most important thing for me as a leader is to just love God myself and to walk with him. And, and that's when I look at evangelism, that's the number one thing. It's not that you have to love God first and then I can do evangelism or it's that I love God first and then I'm a leader. They always go hand to hand. And so I would just encourage other people to be doing all that you can to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love how in the Bible, God is always saying he does something so that they will know that I am God. And mm. so I think as we seek God, we find him and we, like, as we seek to love him, we experience his love and can love him more. So yeah, I just want to see people love the Lord more and then live that out in their day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Amen. I like that. Good. Laurie, thank you so much. We've covered so many interesting things. Thank you how you've opened us and shared about your fear, but how you also how you see God moving in that and about your passion and your heart for what you see in the in the ministry and what God has put you on your heart. We're really thankful that you're part of Agape Europe. And thank you for your time. Oh, my pleasure. I'm very happy to be here in Europe. It's fun to see how the Lord is moving here. Yes. Well, God bless you. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye. That was Laurie Soliday. She's Agape's National Campus Director in Germany, among many other things. Find Agape Europe on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or check out our website agapeeurope.org. I'm Jochen Geck and this is Humans of Agape. See you next time. <laughs>